Thanks for joining me today. Today we're going to take a, a look at what potentially could await us in the upcoming 2024 presidential election cycle. So take a thought experiment with me in the next few moments. It's the late summer of 2024. The United States is in the throes of a very turbulent election cycle. The incumbent, Joe Biden, campaigning out of his Wilmington, Delaware home, refused to engage in any presidential debates, in very few legacy media interviews. And despite not having raised anywhere near what his challengers have raised, and not even what he himself had raised in the previous election campaign, is reported to be miraculously leading in the polls. The talking heads of state propaganda attribute much of his purported lead to his selection of Gavin Newsom as his vice presidential running mate. Biden's opponents are not buying it. Rumors swirl as to how Kamala Harris was persuaded to step aside so as not to be a terminal vulnerability in the incumbent ticket, especially in light of Joe's increasing incoherence and frailty. Donald Trump, solidified by this time as the uncontested Republican juggernaut, continues to be assaulted with an unending string of indictments. Rather than wearing him down, they seem to only infuse him with additional motivation, fire, and vitriol. The most recent attempt to have him placed on house arrest and effectively block him from hitting the campaign trail instigated a wave of MAGA protest marches throughout the nation and was thrown out by a federal judge in the 11th hour. Everywhere he goes, he draws unprecedented crowds. As the Justice Department and a litany of big city DAs continue badgering him, he doubles down on his claims of a two-tier justice system. One system that turns a milky, blind eye to patrons and elites of the Washington big state, where whistleblowers with voluminous evidence of Biden family bribes from Chinese Communist Party members, as well as the Ukrainian company Burisma, is simply ignored. Where cocaine stashed in the most surveilled, most secure building in the world remains an unsolvable mystery. Where the documented shameful perversions of the president's son facilitated by illegal company tax write-offs, is protected. And the other system of justice, the system of justice that relentlessly pursues common, everyday working Americans and those outside of the Washington swamp. Weeks before the election, a tactical nuclear device detonates in Poland. Simultaneously, a dirty bomb goes off in Austin, Texas. State media immediately points the finger at Russia, 
and an erratic, illogical Putin who sees imminent defeat. Europe and America are stunned. Washington amazingly shows restraint and does not retaliate in kind. Further nuclear exchanges surprisingly don't occur. Contrary voices, all but snuffed out, push back, claiming that Ukraine's military force was all but neutralized, that Russia was anything but defeated, and that Putin was not facing certain defeat. They claimed that Putin had all but achieved his objectives, and therefore had no earthly incentive to initiate the two horrific strikes. They charged that both events were false flag operations, intentionally timed to distract and preemptively rally voters around the incumbent president, as well as give Biden justification to take executive action. Mainstream propaganda countered with their typical rebuttal that anyone denying Russian responsibility for the two attacks were conspiracy theorists, or worse, Russian simpaticos. And action he takes. With shocking rapidity and apparent pre-planning, social media and bank access are frozen for alleged Russian collaborators in the U.S. Federal and state law enforcement raid homes, arresting collaborators and incarcerating them in federal detention facilities as cleanup efforts from the detonation in Austin proceed with maximum media coverage to keep the populace frightened and shocked. Unknowable at the time, it will later emerge that hundreds of thousands of Americans were so branded enemies of the state. Anyone who questioned American policy and actions in Ukraine on social media were blacklisted and rounded up. As with the alleged January 6th rioters, they were held without bail, without due process of the law, without the ability to be contacted by family or legal counsel. For the safety of American voters, Biden issues an executive order that all voting in the upcoming election just weeks away will be by internet from the safety of one's home. Violence rips through the nation like a buzzsaw. Armed citizens take to the streets. Federal buildings are burnt to the ground in many states. And, reminiscent of Bunker and Breed's Hill many centuries ago, Washington is ringed overnight by an innumerable mass of furious citizens, erecting barricades and blockading all routes in and out of the capital. The state planners overplayed their hand and underestimated the resolve, frustration, and the backbone of a large segment of America. Several state governors activate their National Guard, even as Biden federalizes them. The military brain trust that failed to win Iraq and Afghanistan occupations now scramble to plan a suitable campaign to restore order within the nation. Their planning efforts are a hodgepodge of infeasible ideas, cognitive refuse revivified from the hapless global war on terror. A surprising number of officers vacate their posts, effectively resigning from what they deem an unconstitutional and political perversion of power that they can no longer ignore. Numerous soldiers fail to report to duty, refusing to take up arms against their fellow Americans. Implacable in his order for online voting in light of the emergency, in his executive order underwritten by a cabal of federal judges, election night comes and goes with palpable tension.
After two days, the results are in, and the incumbent is declared winner of a second term. Violence resumes anew with unabated furor. The self-proclaimed winner declares martial law nationwide to control the exploding violence. The sheer numbers of armed protesters render irrelevant the various responses of local, state, and federal law enforcement to disperse the crowds. Many police officers refuse to show up for work, internally conflicted with their sense of duty versus the actual nature of the issue, many of them holding sympathetic ideas with the protesters. Commerce grinds to a halt as most transport, both air and ground, becomes impossible and citizens are ordered to stay in their homes from dusk to dawn and are only permitted to leave for medical emergency or to purchase food. The stock market tanks lower than the 2008 financial crisis. Now this is an extreme and I pray unrealistic potential scenario that awaits us in the upcoming year. I pray that it's an unrealistic scenario. However, you can see, if you look historically, if you look at recent trends, that this is potential. Again, I pray nothing of, of this sort emerges, but it's worth thinking of these things in advance and at least contemplating the worst case scenario, contemplating what the next election cycle might hold given the ongoing war in Ukraine, Washington's seeming insistence to drive that conflict on, to keep it lit, to keep the coals of that conflict burning. For, to what purpose? To what end? We know that early on in the conflict, Ukraine was prepared to go to the negotiation table to talk with Putin, but Washington strong-armed them out, forced them to fight. We know that there are incredibly strong political tensions that exist now in this nation. An enormous segment of the population outright believes that the state, Biden, those pulling the strings, that they rigged the election, that the election was not fair. That in fact, they cannot believe that Joe Biden received more votes than Barack Obama at the height of his popularity. And so the question remains, what happens if the elections somehow turn once again in the favor of a semi-incoherent, highly frail, unimaginative incumbent? What might occur across America and in the public square in the aftermath of a similar election debacle. In this regard, if the future reveals even watered-down versions of the foregoing of what I walked you through mentally, almost certainly the economy will take a profound hit. If there are any future lockdowns for real or manufactured crises, the dollar will continue its devaluation freefall and your wealth will likewise plummet. Further, a second term for Biden will almost certainly bring the irreversible establishment of central bank digital currency. And when that occurs, if that occurs, we are but one 
executive decision away from being locked out of even being able to purchase and acquire Bitcoin should the state so choose to criminalize it, should the state see that as a competitor to its fiat currency system, which has enabled it to conduct extensive and ongoing perpetual wars across the globe, imperial wars of occupation, imperial wars of economic domination. If even any of the foregoing scenario occurs in 2024, the year of the Bitcoin halving, where the amount of Bitcoin mined in each 10-minute block of time is, is cut in half, that occurs in around April of this upcoming year. If anything similar to what I just described happens, the economy will continue to tumble. The American U.S. dollar will continue to be devalued at an increasingly rapid rate. If there is violence in the streets, disruptions once again to the economy, lockdowns, if this war in Ukraine takes a very sinister turn, if we have any manner of black flag operations intended to swing the election towards one side or another, where will your wealth be? Where will the ability for you to protect your family, protect yourself, feed yourself, protect that wealth for the long term that you've worked so hard for? What are the prospects for that? If COVID showed the big state anything, it taught them the following. First of all, and this is what the statists, the big state elites, what they've been taught, what they derive from COVID, doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but these are the lessons that they have harvested. They think that it has taught them, again, the COVID lockdowns that Americans in the world in general are quite suppliant. They're prone to fear, they're very docile, that they, they will do what they are told by and large. The state believes that the people will, or at least enough of the people, will accept and comply with very restrictive measures. And the second big thing that they take away from COVID lockdowns is that they feel that the economy can recover from extensive lockdowns. And how did they do that? By creating obscene amounts of new fiat currency, creating it from scratch in the aftermath of the lockdowns to artificially stimulate and revivify the economy. And as you know, if you've tracked this, more money has been printed in the aftermath of COVID than has ever, and I say printed, I mean created, most of most fiat currency is not in paper form. It's just electronic ledger entries. But more money has been created in the aftermath of COVID than has ever existed since the rise of the US dollar. And so they take away these lessons and if, if they orchestrate a black flag operation an attempt to shut down the economy or take restrictive measures that lock down citizens for their own safety because of 
violence or protests in the streets and how the government is conducting itself in an intransparent manner with illegitimate elections. Again, in the perceptions of, of mass people, mass groups. If they were to do that, and the economy tanks again, they feel that, well, we were able to pull it out of the death spiral in COVID. Apparently our policies are sufficient. We could just do it again. They don't realize the deleterious effect it's having on the national debt, the profound devaluation of the dollar that's occurring as a result of this COVID stimulus money that they just gave out to folks, no strings attached. And if they have, if the state has, the existing state that's committed to suppressing the American people, controlling the American people, if they have four more years in power, then they will be able to, again, by fiat or, or by executive order, by just simply determining that this is what they're going to do of establishing central bank digital control, central bank digital currencies. And when that occurs, we are simply one executive decision, one executive order away from the criminalization of Bitcoin and the avenues, the rails, the ability for you to purchase and hold Bitcoin, or at least to purchase it, are drastically reduced because with central bank digital currency, oh yes, it'll be very convenient, very convenient for your banking, for processing transactions, but it's also, and more importantly, hyper convenient for the state. The state will no longer have to legislate away things that they deem unhelpful or harmful to you. The state will simply be able to very conveniently block different types of transactions so that you will not be able to buy X, Y, and Z. You will not have the freedom to do so. Cash will no longer exist. You will not have the option of, okay, fine, I, I can't buy meat this week, so I'm going to buy a steak with cash. Uh, well, cash is no longer used. It's no longer legal tender in the United States. Everything will have to go through central bank digital currency and your CBDC account. And you could see how all this could be tied together. I would ask you to just visualize this for a minute. Just use your mind to visualize and then think about what the future might hold if we stay on the same trajectory. And certain historical paradigms repeat themselves that we have seen in the past. that are fully documented. We have seen these before. Black flag events, lockdowns of the populace, forcing everyone for their safety to vote online in a very intransparent, a very secretive voting protocol with the economy tanking once again, but an exponential creation of the US dollar, digital dollar, CBDCs, with recovery funds handed out afterwards to weather the violent, destructive aftermath of future lockdowns. But these recovery funds in the future 
the next wave of recovery funds, these stimulus handouts will come with strings. And what might those strings be? One of the strings can easily be envisioned that they're only distributed through a CBDC account. They're only distributed electronically. If you have a registered account through one of the large banks that would minister central bank digital currency. And a witch hunt, a retroactive witch hunt also occurs that those who in any way rebelled against the elections, anyone that rebelled in the past that necessitated what the state thought required public lockdowns, a new wave of public lockdowns, a witch hunt will ensue going through social media, going through emails, going through video cameras and surveillance cameras to identify anyone who did not demonstrate compliance with either local law enforcement, the military, or our political rulers. And they don't receive the stimulus money. They're locked out of the stimulus money and are persecuted, are prosecuted, are litigated against, arrested, locked up, social media, access denied. Washington has been working hard to get CBDC launched as quickly as possible, but they're not going to be able to roll it out before the next national election. If they could, it really minimizes, in my analysis, the necessity for black flag operations because they can more easily then castrate the population into compliance. CBDCs will castrate us into compliance because it will cut off our access to banking, to commerce, to transactions. It will make it exponentially more difficult to conduct everyday life. And this is what needs to be communicated across the nation. I would urge everyone to contact your senators and congressmen repeatedly and tell them that you do not approve of central bank digital currency, that you require your representatives to oppose it every step of the way to oppose it, that there is another way, that it's not inevitable, that it's not simply catching up with the technological times, that there are other ways to conduct commerce and trade and monetary policy within the United States without going in for central bank digital control. If we sit aside, if we just sit idly by don't put up a fuss, don't tell our representatives that we are not for this, then we get the tyranny that comes. Then we deserve the tyranny that comes because it will come and we know the playbook. We know what they want to institute because this will give them unprecedented control over you and I. And we need to understand this. We need to explain this to family, friends, relatives, so that they understand the issues involved, so that at least we the people, we the people can determine whether we want to go down this path or not. If we want to, 
intentionally go down this path. Fine, then we made a decision. But something as sinister as this, something so antibiotic to freedom as CBDCs, should not be foisted over us without our consent. This is incredibly antibiotic to personal freedom and sovereignty and liberty. In any event, we don't know which way this next year is going to twist and turn. But a number of possibilities are well worth considering and preparing for. If Bitcoin, in fact, has the value that we think that it does, if it has the ability to protect and safeguard and store your personal wealth, through turbulent times, untouchable by governments, untouchable by conflict and crisis, if this is in fact the case, and knowing that our crystal ball is very cloudy, we cannot see the particular details of the future and how this is going to play out. In that case, I would offer that the accumulation of Bitcoin as much as possible at this point in time now is of greatest priority. The clock is ticking and time is running out. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just giving my personal opinion. As a military strategist, as a military planner, I'm just giving my personal opinion of how I see things. This future year, 2024 election year, is going to be, in my opinion, very chaotic, exceedingly turbulent, and I do not see the economy faring well throughout this next year. In this regard, I feel that the accumulation of Bitcoin now, while we have maneuver space to acquire it, is of the utmost importance. To find and develop rails upon which Bitcoin can be used to purchase goods and services. The importance of keeping abreast of the actual news and realizing where the Bitcoin-friendly jurisdictions are within the United States and conceivably outside of the United States, to have those as options and to keep those in mind. And then I think what would be exceedingly important is something like Starlink, Elon Musk's system for providing internet access to areas that are otherwise blocked from the internet. We saw this early on in the Ukraine crisis where Elon Musk provided Starlink internet access to Ukrainians. What happens if in the future chaos of 2024, if there are lockdowns and, and incredible riots and violence in the streets, what if the big state decides we need to cut off internet access for a time in the interest of an emergency for public safety so that rumors and conspiracy theories don't continue to gain traction? We need to cut off internet access. What if that occurs? Now you're deprived of even being able to access the Bitcoin network. You will be denied the ability to even acquire or use Bitcoin that you do have to employ the Lightning Network. 
And how are you going to get your news? How are you going to get informed of what's occurring in your nation if the internet is blocked? If internet service providers comply with the government and acquiesce and agree to shut down their servers, to, to shut down access for a time in the interest of an emergency. This is where something independent outside, outside of the system, just as Bitcoin is outside of the fiat monetary system, we need a system outside of the typical internet service provider protocol, something like a Starlink that guarantees internet access to the oppressed, to those outside of government, to those people groups who are denied information. And so these are thoughts going through my mind as we approach 2024. I'd be interested in your thoughts. Feel free to leave comments. Feel free to visit my Instagram at blockchain underscore podcast on Instagram or Bill at lockedinleadership.org. Bill at lockedinleadership.org. Give me your comments. Give me your ideas. I would love to continue refining our analysis of what might occur in the future so that we can better prepare so that freedom-loving Americans can better prepare so that they can protect their families, protect their wealth, protect their freedom. And so thank you for spending time with me and we will share thoughts together in the next episode of the Blockchain Podcast. This is Lieutenant Colonel Stebbins signing out from the Bitcoin Network.